Welcome to the Young Christian Podcast. My name is Mackenzie. I'm a musician, photographer, grown apologist, grown evangelist, and lifelong student. Here's just where I plan to be real, where I talk about Jesus, philosophy, mental health, relationships, race, culture, and honestly, whatever. Whether you're someone that's new to the faith or old to the faith, we all have our struggles with something. You ever had that moment where you're just in a cycle of sin or um, you ever in that moment where you just can't get things right? Well, sin, um, just sin destroys. Um, I think we have to make an emphasis on what truth actually is. Um, Truth is always compassionate because it sets you free initially. Truth sounds like hate for those who hate the truth. Um, But we all have our struggles and battles with something. In Ephesians 6, we wouldn't have been told to put on our full armor if we wasn't in a war or a battle we weren't expected to be in. And this armor is just to be put on daily. Someone who's in the army can't sleep with their armor on, but instead they put it on daily. Sometimes we think that I've connected with God today. I'm kind of good or I'm just in his favor. But truthfully, we need to put on all his armor every day. Um, And that's pretty much where we're going to go into today. Um, We're going to go into how to battle, essentially, with sin, how to put on the armor and what the armor actually means and how to apply it, not only um, as like head knowledge, but to apply it um, just in everyday lives. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, I just suggest reading Ephesians 6. Pause this and just read Ephesians 6. Like I said up before, I'm no pastor, no preacher, anything like that. I just struggle with the same things that you probably struggled with. Um, I've experienced or had experiences with things that you might have struggled with. So this is kind of um, how I dealt with it. So I'm just sharing my experiences um, and what I've learned through it. So like I said, if you don't know what I'm talking about, pause this, read Ephesians 6, and then you'll be caught up. So in Ephesians 6, we see... It starts off with the belt of truth. And remember, this is armor, armor of God that we're supposed to be putting on daily. The belt of truth. The Christian message claims to be the the truth, not just a truth. When we think of the belt of truth or just the belt in general, a belt is no help to you hanging in a closet. You have to put it on. In other words, truth is of no value to you hanging unused in God's word. The trick is not to be in some religious cycle trying to complete the Bible, but actually connecting what the Bible says to your life. That's why many Christians set aside a particular time during the day to read the Bible and pray. Not to prove our spirituality, but it's a good way to grab truth. As we read the Bible and then in prayer to ultimately apply that truth to our lives. I think sometimes it's different questions we just got to ask ourselves. The gospel message doesn't just make me feel good. But it's, it's kind of more than that. Instead of asking, did it make me feel good? Did it equip me with truth? Is there some aspect of God's word that I now understand better, which I can use more effectively in my life? And since we're speaking on the belt of truth, I don't think it's the first thing that Paul in Ephesians 6 tells us to put on for no just one random reason or another. The first line of defense will always get attacked first. The opposite of truth is lies, and that's how the enemy will attack. The devil wants to persuade you to believe a lie. 
once he separated you from the truth and start saying like God doesn't have your best interests at heart, he's out to spoil your fun. Or even if you're a Christian, your life will be miserable because God's law restricts your freedom. Things like sin is true happiness and fulfillment. Those are all lies from the enemy. How do you combat lies with the truth? Um, I, was read, I was reading this psalm, and this psalm, this psalm, in this psalm, it tells us that, that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Um, Psalm, and that's in Psalm 19, um, verses 7 through 11. And to make things clear, make it clear, wearing the armor of God isn't just simply a matter of doing all the right things so that we could stand firm against Satan. God is the only one who strengthens us to stand and the armor we need is fundamentally God's armor which Jesus Christ has already worn. Um, this is the same armor that Jesus worn and combated and conquered sin. Um, the next piece, um, which is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is represented as a breastplate which provides essential protection for the most vital organs. What Paul means by the breastplate of righteousness, however, it's not a set of accomplishments that we create for ourselves. Rather, it's something given to us um, to just put on. The breath, breath, breastplate is not our workmanship. It is part of the armor that God provides us, righteousness that is not our own. So when Paul talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, he's describing the righteousness that God given us, has given us in the gospel about which he wrote. Um, in first in second Corinthians 5 um, 21 uh, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in him um, God isn't God has intervened decisively in this world to make sinners the righteousness of God God brought about his dramatic transformation changing us for, for filthy to clean to guilty to innocent and making him who had no sin to be sin for us the next piece of armor is just the gospel of peace. The preparation of the gospel is represented as the protective shoes worn by Roman soldiers. No one can fight effectively or effectively go about his business without his equipment. Um, I think the, the term preparation um, is a word meaning a prepared foundation. The gospel provides the footing for everything we do, however powerful the rest of your body is, if you're wounded in your feet, you're easy prey for the enemy. The idea of preparation is really readiness. We must be mobile, flexible, and ready with the truth. This is a place to have in the Christian life. To live in constant readiness and flexibility. Just, just to even go on in the gospel, I'm reading this book called The Gospel, Gospel Fluency, and it's basically how to apply the, how to be more fluent in the gospel, how to apply it um, in everyday lives, how to just, because I think that sometimes we like to overcomplicate things, you know, um, there really is, I think we're forgetting the power in the gospel that it actually has, whether it's witnessing to somebody or um, just applying it to our own lives. There's so much power and freedom in the gospel, and I think that 
the more we realize that, the more we have it written in our hearts. We just start to see that dramatic change on our perspective of things. Because life, I think, is all about perspectives and how we view things. We have choices and the things that we do. Um, it, but that also kind of starts with the perspective that we have. So a good read is Gospel Fluency. I forget what the author's name is, but even if you don't know the gospel, even if you're trying to get, even if you're trying to, like I said, apply it to your own life, um, it's definitely a good read. So check that out. Above all, to shield the faith is the next piece. In biblical terms, faith must always have a firm foundation if it is to be meaningful, or it is simply a glorious falsehood. Faith is not, as some people define, belief without evidence and what is told by one who speaks with, with, without knowledge of things, without parallel. Faith in the resurrection is only meaningful if it's actually true. It's, it's crazy that, you know, that's really the biggest thing of what we stand on as Christians. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is in vain. So, faith is merely the instrument that connects us to the utterly trustworthy and all-powerful God who created the heavens and earth and who made us for, who made us to have a relationship with him. This is the faith that Paul is talking about when he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguishing all the flaming darts of the evil one. And this is in Ephesians 6, 16. He's not saying that faith has some remarkable defensive power against Satan. Rather, he's saying that faith protects us from Satan's attacks because of what faith enables us to take hold of, namely the power and protection of God himself. In Proverbs 30, 15, um, it says, God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The theme is all throughout the Psalms, in Psalms 3.3 and Psalms 119. So now, here's the question. If the Old Testament tells us that God is our shield, why does Paul say that faith is a shield? Faith, faith is the means by which we flee to God for refuge. It is how we cling to God in finding him comfort and protection in times of Difficulty and distress. Imagine imagine you falling into a pool and you're drowning. You can't swim and there's nothing you could do to save yourself, but then somebody throws you a rope. If you grab hold of the rope, you can be pulled to safety, but in order to be saved, several things have to happen. First, you need to believe in the existence of the rope and that there's someone at the other end of it. If there's no rope, there's nothing to grab onto. And if there's no one at the other end of the rope, there will would be equally no point in grabbing it. It's not enough to just believe in the existence of the rope or that someone is at the other end of the rope. You also need to be convinced that the person at the other end of the rope wants to help you. If we're in a war and that person is at the other end of the rope, if the person at the other end of the rope was the enemy, there would be no point in grabbing in the rope because the enemy would just be looking to steal, kill, and destroy anyways, essentially. But if the person on the other end was your best friend, you would confidently grab the rope. Yet you could believe all these things and still drown if you didn't actually grab the rope. If your beliefs don't lead you to the necessary action, then it won't essentially do you any good. This picture helps us understand what Christians, what Christians mean when they talk about faith. Faith is not simply saying, I believe in God. He's talking about faith in a specific God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son that 
we will not perish but have everlasting life. And it's crazy how all the pieces of armor come together. And that's why it's so important that we build our faith on truth, which is God's word. Let's say you struggle with doubt or unbelief. Dealing with doubt is part of what it means to mature in faith. It takes courage to doubt, but here's the huge important key. Rather than just give up, you should be specific about what bothers you and should gather the will to look for answers. Learn to doubt your doubts so they will not overpower everything else in your life. Even when I don't understand or I don't know what answers to a question, it doesn't cause me to steer away from my faith, but go to my faith even closer to cling to it, to find that answer. And that's why we have other people around. Um, I don't think that's we're supposed to go through things alone, but there's people that we can go to that can help us find the answer to our questions, essentially. You go to a school to learn. Same how we have churches to learn from, but essentially from other people, you know? I don't necessarily have to go to a school to find the answer, but to find the right teacher to find the answer. So faith is a shield as it connects to us to the fundamental realities of the promises of God in the gospel. By faith, trust in the goodness of God demonstrated in the death of Jesus Christ to get you into heaven. By faith, grab the rope that God has put before you, confident that God himself will bring you safely home. By faith, trust in the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. By faith, believe in God's unshakable love towards you in Christ, a love that will never let you go. As you trust in the goodness, power, and love of God, you have a shield that will put out all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Even more importantly, in God's faithfulness, you have a shield that will certainly keep you safe, weak through your own faith, maybe, until the day you pass through the gates of death into life that will last forever. The next piece is the helmet of salvation. Salvation is pictured as this kind of helmet protecting an essential part of the body, the head. A soldier would be foolish to go into battle without his helmet. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8 speaks of the helmet of salvation in connection to the hope of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects us against discouragement, against the desire to give up, giving us hope not only in knowing that we are saved, but that we will be saved. It is the assurance that God will triumph. One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is discouragement. When we are properly equipped with this helmet of salvation, it's hard to stay discouraged. The Bible tells us that we can know for sure that we are going to heaven. But how? Definitely not by our own goodness. The Apostle John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that he may know that you have eternal life. And that's in 1 John 5, 11 through 12. In simple terms, John says, if we have Jesus, we have life. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have life. Eternal life is God's free gift, which comes to us wrapped up in his son. Um, the last the last um, piece of armor is the sword of, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. To effectively use the sword, we must re regard it as the word of God, which is the word of God. If we're not confident in the inspiration of the scripture, that is that the sword really came from the spirit, then we will not use it effectively at all. But we must also take the sword 
of the spirit in the sense of depending that he helps us to use it. Not only did the spirit gives us the scriptures, but also he makes them alive for us. And he equips us with the right thrust of the sword at the right time. It's crazy that, you know, even when I'm going through things, certain scriptures will pop into my head that I didn't even know whether I'm talking to somebody or like I said, it's something that I'm going through. It's like God will place a certain scripture on my heart that will really help me through specific situations. That's why the, the, the word of God, which is the Bible, is living word. It, it's it's living it's something that pours into our soul and really like it applies to what we go through every single day. Like I said, I'm no preacher nor pastor, just young and Christian who experience or have experienced these same struggles. Even Paul, who wrote like 75% of the New Testament, had his struggles with sin. In Romans 7, um, which is, especially if you're dealing with sin, I recommend reading Romans 6 through 8. Um, but in Romans 7, 15 through 20, it says, this is Paul speaking. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. That was huge. That's kind of, I was reading it and it was kind of like a tongue twister. Um, but essentially, you know, um, Paul was mere human, just like us. Um, he was inspired by the spirit of God to write the scriptures, but in all, he was still um, human. He struggled with sin. He pointed, he said, you know, it's it's the same things that we kind of go through. You know, we do the things that we don't want to do and the things that we actually do want to do, which is good. We don't. Um, and it's like, why? It's because of our sinful nature that we have, you know. Um, but thankfully that, you know, God created us. You know, he knew he knew exactly exactly what our nature was, you know, and he gave us the armor to combat these things. Um, and in my struggles with sins, I do my own research and I look to others in the body of Christ who struggles with the same issues. I got a list of do's and don'ts, um, that actually Alan Parr put me on to, which was a huge blessing in my life. I would definitely recommend to look him up on YouTube. He has a list of do's and don'ts and the first do's, um, that he has was simply to confess your sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. And this means to confess every single time, not just the first time, not just the, the fifth time, but every single time confess. And um, biblical confession is um, basically the agreement with God that you know what you're doing is wrong. Um, I think that sometimes even um, when we don't confess, the enemy loves to keep us in guilt and shame, so we keep everything in hiding. The second do's is to just accept God's free gift of grace. In Romans 5.20, it says the law was brought in so that the trespasses may increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
Even in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 3. Identify the root of sin. When we think of sin when we're going through things and we fall, we might get discouraged, but if we're being honest with ourselves, there's always a root to it. You know, I think we got to look back at why. For example, if I'm dealing with angry anger, if I'm driving and, you know, I want to just start cursing out somebody on the road, I got to figure out usually it wasn't even that person that stemmed from that anger. It was something else that that rooted that anger. Same thing with lust. It might be the things that we watch, same things, maybe music that we hear. Um, but it's just not being, let's not be ignorant to the things that um, steers us away, essentially. So just figuring out the root of the sin of, of where essentially it's coming from. Because, you know, if we think about things like pornography, you know, we might fall this and a third. But like it doesn't just pop up on our screen. There's things that we do. There's a root to, to where everything comes from. So. Um, let's just identify that. Four would be accountability. Um, Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Proverbs 14.12, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 11.14, Where there is no counsel, the people may fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Um, James 5.12 says, confess our sins to one another. And like we see this, this overwhelming consistency of the importance of confessing. Um, there's a huge burden about confessing to someone. And it's not just to confess to everyone, but finding someone that you actually can trust that won't take advantage of the things that, you know, you're, you're entrusting them with. You know, so um, accountability, someone that, you know, you can call when you do feel like falling or you're about to fall. And, you know, you, you just need somebody to hop on the phone with you, just talk to you um, instead of being in that place of isolation where, you know, the enemy can thrive. Um, so to be real, you know, um, if if you would have conquered your sin that you're struggling with, you would have conquered it by now. The enemy wants you to live in secrecy and shame that you can't share anything with anyone. And this verse is so true in John 8, um, basically says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, number five, it's basically, not basically, but just reestablishing that intimacy with God. Either the word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word. Um, so it's basically rekindling that time because we like to go into this hiding mode when we fall, um, but essentially reestablishing that connection and or that intimacy with God daily, regardless if you if regardless if you fell or not. Um, but to go into the don'ts, um, number one, um, it's basically don't think you lost your salvation. Um, the remorse and brokenness you have for your sin is proof that the Holy Spirit is within you. Um, there's something inside you that that feels this brokenness that's like, yeah, this isn't right. You're you're in agreement with the law. There's, the law isn't bad, but you're in agreement with the law saying like, yeah, this what I'm actually doing is wrong. So that's proof that the, that you're sensitive to the spirit and that the Holy Spirit still lives with, within you. 
So, you know, the like I said before, um, the enemy loves to attack, you know, you with discouragement, you know, to feel discouraged as if, you know, you lost your salvation or anything like that. And this kind of goes into the second don't, but don't live in condemnation, um, which is Romans 8 verses 1, first one where it just says, you know, there is no condemnation in Christ. Condemnation is very different from conviction. Sometimes we put time on when we sin and when we get things right with God, thinking that if I get it right with God too quickly, I'm showing God that I'm not really remorseful over my sin. Or, And during that time, we're not reading our Bible, we're not communicating, we're not praying with God, we're not sharing our faith. We feel unworthy of worship, using our gifts, and we go into some some sort of flight mode, just like how Adam and Eve did after they sinned. And that flight mode is exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Three, the third don't is don't swap good for bad. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, um, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Um, some people like to, for example, if they fall, they'll say, oh, I'll, I'll serve more. I'll go to church this following Sunday to make up that, make up for the bad that I've done with good. But essentially that doesn't matter. That's not what justifies us by the goodness that we can do. Um, Jesus has already done that good to make up for your sin. Four, which is don't make promises to God. <laughs> I've learned this. Um, sometimes we've prom- we made promises, and unfortunately I've learned from this, but if it's something we struggle with or something we're battling with, in reality we might fall to it again. So I've learned basically, you know, and, and I think that feeling sucks, you know, and especially when you made that promise to God and it's like when you fall, it's like that feeling is truly unexplainable. So... Um, I don't think God requires us to make any type of promise, you know, to him because um, he's already made a promise to us. So I don't think that's something necessarily we have to do. We just have to walk in the righteousness that, you know, he calls us to be in. Five, um, don't try to justify your sin. In Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, it says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. It's something, It's it's crazy how, all, all of us as humans are basically um, the same in a sense that we like to justify our sin or make our sin not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. Um, sin is anything short of the goodness of God. And I think that, you know, if we actually look at the punishment that Jesus took on the cross for sin, it's it is a big deal, you know, so... I think instead of covering it, try to justify it. Let's just come clean about it. Let's not justify. Let's not put the blame game, but let's take accountability for the things that we do. And um, understand what we did. Understand the things that we did willingly. No matter how far, no matter how far you've fallen, God will always respond to a heart of repentance. And... There's this quote by Martin Luther King. It says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you just have to keep moving forward. Um, And I truly believe it's not about perfection, but progression. We we have to keep going because sometimes when we fall, we want to just stop everything. But essentially, we have to keep going. We have to realize that, you know, God has took the payment for our sin. Um, God, Jesus on the cross specifically, came on this earth 
and lived a life that we couldn't live. And he who had no sin became sin so that we may become righteous before God. So realizing that though in the implication of the fine that he actually paid for us goes miles. But in all, we, we could be, we could, we could feel, we could feel this brokenness for our sin, but we have to keep moving forward. Proverbs says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up again. We can't stay low. We can't stay too high where we would be prideful. We feel like we can't sin, that we're, we're too good, and we can't be too low. Um, as In sense of, um, we can't be too low in the sense of um, that, you know, we, we, we're, un, we, we're too short of God's uh, glory that God has left us, that God has left, left took his hand off us, you know. Um, both extremes where the enemy could still thrive. Um, so, for sure, um, if you are struggling with sin, definitely um, contact someone, um, contact me, contact a friend, someone that um, is also Christian, you know, because um, there's something different about the advice of someone that is godly, um, that shares the same love in Christ that you do um, and just keep them close um, like I said this is something that I experience I struggle with sin too so this is this is something that I'm walking through as well um, knowing is short knowing is knowing knowing is short of the possibility of sinning we all sin we're all sinners um, but if if we weren't sinners there would be no reason for Christ to die on the cross in the first place Thank you if you made it all the way to the end. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a comment. Let me know. Um, also, give me topics on what you guys want to talk about. Um, and also, if there's anyone that wants to be a guest on a future podcast, um, let me know. Next week, we have someone who's actually in the Army. And, re and we're going to talk about some of the complications. Maybe if you wanted to be in the Army or you know someone that wanted to be in the Army, um, this is my homie from middle school, so it should be a really good one. You could be listening to any other podcast, listening to anything else, but you're right here with us. Thank you for choosing a Young Christian Podcast. I'm going to see y'all soon.